I'd like to welcome our guest today to the NS Podcast, Nick Kamali, owner of Mia Food Service, the leading independent food service distributor, supplying over 4,000 products to local restaurants, bars, bakeries, cafes, and, and a growing list of clients throughout the GTA. I know you're an avid real estate investor as well with multiple properties throughout Toronto, Vaughan, and most recently Miami. Welcome to the New Street Podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming through. I appreciate your time. No problem. Let's start off. Um, I know. Uh, I know you've been in business for a while. Yeah. So let's just you know give people a sense of your business, your main business. Yeah. I know you do. You know, diversified. But what's sort of the hottest product you're selling right now, and like your your number one client? Number one client, I would say oh, we have so many great clients. You know what? <laughs> uh, King Street is doing really well. There's a new restaurant that just opened up, Mademoiselle. Mm. and Marble. Marble's oh. been around for a few, a little while, but Mademoiselle just opened up maybe two weeks ago, King West. It's on fire. That yeah. place is just, it, it, it's incredible what they're doing and the products that they're buying, such as a lot of niche products, yeah. like gold flakes and you know black garlic and you know hard to find things, yeah. but uh, we have access to all that. Mm-hmm. So we were able to capture that. And it's, it used to be uh, the owner actually, Peter, uh, it used to be a strip club that he, uh, it was uh, the Brass Rail on King. Mm-hmm. He bought that business, bought the building. It was a $20 million building, turned it into a restaurant. And when I read the news or when I heard about it, I said, wow, that's, to do something like that, a big play like that in COVID was like, what, what, what's this guy thinking? You know, I just thought. Yeah. Uh, Risky, man. Risky. 100%. And you know what? It's the hottest Bar, he pulled it off, paying yeah. off, man. That's it awesome. is, yeah, and he is on fire. Like he, what he does, he does really well. He is such a great entertainer, so he's doing raw foods, seafoods, and that's exactly what King West needed. So I'd say right now they're the hottest new kid on the block, mm-hmm. and he's good with keeping the momentum. Mm-hmm. Like Marble, after five years or four years, they're still a hot restaurant. Yeah, so I'd say that. And then I know your product list is, is growing. I know, you, yeah. you know, 4,000 is probably more than that by now. But tell, tell me about your product list. And, and, you know, I know you got some g- general products, but then you got some very unique, hard to find. Yeah. Items. So break it down for us. Yeah. yeah so we, we, we sell their everyday uh, butter, milk, flour, eggs. Yeah. That's run of the mill. Everyone has it. We started doing some pulp containers, you know, to pivot in COVID yeah. and uh, pizza boxes and we started doing a lot of takeout supplies, handle bags, uh, bamboo forks. So we pivoted at that point and we maintained and kept all that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we expanded into fresh cheese like burrata, stracciatella, uh, you know, your breeze, hard mm-hmm. cheeses like Parmigiano we've always had and Montasio and Piave. And, you know, the list continues of what we sell. Yeah. Cured meats uh, was another addition that we've done. And... Um, you know, the hard-to-find items are, like I said, specialty fruit purees, black garlics, uh, vinegars from France, yeah. a lot of uh, gold flakes, gold leaf. A lot of gourmet stuff. Gourmet sure. stuff, yeah. you know, specialty escargot and brandy or, you know, anything that the client needs to elevate that menu, Yeah, we have it. And, you know, we're, we're a vendor partner of a company called Quali First. So we support and we work with them. They are great at what they do. And we work with them mm-hmm. exclusively almost in terms of the specialty products. And we're able to tap into their market yeah. and bring in everything that they sell and include it in our product list. Very cool. I yeah. Just, I just thought about something that um, 
I didn't think about before, but like you talk about this partnership you have with Quality First, and like I know you've built a few different partnerships with different yeah. vendors and places and stuff like how important is partnership or how important has it been to your business it's everything. it's everything it's everything it's yeah. everything you're nothing without your partners that's it and they've helped us you know when when i first started i didn't understand their importance of partnership i was just looking at always the cheapest option and working with the cheapest vendor and always the cheapest product and that necessarily didn't work out in my favor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes selling a quality product, regardless of price, right. will sell. So quality sells. Price necessarily doesn't always sell. Mm-hmm. And you want to focus on the customers that want the quality mm-hmm. because the price is irrelevant mm-hmm. when you're number one. Yeah. And I've always never understood why companies like Cisco or Gordon Foods that were so expensive were always so busy. It's because they offered... A great service. That's it. So they, they had a great service. Yeah. Whether the product was number one or not, their service level is impeccable of what they can supply, their offerings, right. you know. So I just I've always undercut myself in the past yeah. of priding myself to be the cheapest, the cheapest. Yeah. But being affordable, being the cheapest, you don't have to leave all this profit on the table. Yeah. You can be affordable and you know offer a good product yeah and that's what i think i've I, i've moved pivoted to instead of being the cheapest guy on the block mm-hmm. i'm reasonable but i have great selection that no one has yeah quality uh nobody like um costco gordon foods cisco no one in the city has what mia foods has mm-hmm. we're cool. number one in terms of uh offerings it's and selection and selection products. and we pivot we pivot yeah. meaning um, and, you, and you'll adjust, right? It's we like, adjust every date. For example, like a specialty item, yuzu juice. It's a Japanese, um, it's a Japanese, uh, you know, um, juice that sells from Ozawa. It's sold out. And nori gold, seaweed sheets from a vendor are sold out. Rather than just be sold out, we pivot that morning and try to find an alternative because of this supply chain crisis. Yeah. We try not. We pivot. That's it. We don't allow. We we buy. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I think that's big, and we're gonna get into that a yeah. more about you know some of the adjustments you made during COVID. Um, but I think that's gonna be a big theme here in terms of a discussion. A lot of this conversation, you've been talking about growth and how you guys have changed yeah. and stuff like that. It sounds like you've been on this game for a very long time. Two thousand eight is when I uh, got my first van, okay. and I was on the road myself delivering. Since then, a lot. Of, yeah. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight wow. is when I started. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, in the 13, recession. Thirteen. Yes. Yeah. In the recession. In the recession. Yeah. Even talk about, you know, starting things during COVID, you know, the recession is mm. damn near as close as you're going to get to that, right? Yeah. So, mm. That's amazing. What made you, you know, take that leap of faith? What, what told you, you know, this is what you wanted to do? How'd you get into it? It So in my university years, I was always fascinated with the restaurant business. Okay. Uh, having uh, a family friend own another restaurant supply company, Eagle Foods, I was always intrigued by you know, just the process and how to do things. And I would always go into their warehouse and kind of be intrigued with logistics and supply chains. And and I attempted to, to work for them, actually, prior to any experience in university. And without any proper guidance or training, I failed at, at the job working for this company. Right. Um, it just wasn't for you then? It wasn't for me because I didn't have the proper guidance and training. It was just kind of, here's a product list and go door to door and sell, sell these 
products mm, gotcha. as a salesman. Got yeah. it. In university, you know, going to York Lanes, going to uh, Pita Hut with a product list and just trying to sell. Yeah. And not knowing what I'm selling with no education. Cold. 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 Yeah. Don't know what you're selling. No experience. No pricing. Yeah. Wasn't given anything. Try to sell. And, and, and with that and constant doors closing, I got out of it and decided to just pursue my CGA, Certified General Accountancy uh, okay. designation. And uh, upon my final year, I got hired into a company to do food service, to work at the bottom level of food service, just office admin. And I was able to learn from uh, these proprietors, just learn how the business is done. Learn the pricing, learn the clients, learn the needs, gotcha. take orders. Gotcha. So I, I had uh, like a one and a half year crash course on food service where I not only started in the office, mm-hmm. I ended up managing that whole company. Mm, there you go. Right there, till the there's end. There's the change. There's the breakthrough in it. Yeah. Okay. So as people quit, people quit and people saw problems, mm-hmm. I stuck it out. So when a driver quit and I'm in the office, I took the truck. Yeah. And I made it, made sure the customers got it. Yeah. I, I had to slug tomatoes downstairs. I did whatever. Next morning, I'm in the office. There's a picking issue. I go in the warehouse and I'm picking. So now I learned how to pick. I'm learning how to deliver. It's going full circle now. Now I'm learning how to invoice. Yeah. Now I'm learning how to collect. So I, 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 I got my full 360 experience with yeah. this company. Yeah. And this company closed. Uh, got it. And it was the first company to do food service in Canada. In 1970, they opened. Jeez. So the, everyone folded, everybody left. So what years is that this closed? It closed in 2008. 2008, okay. So that's when I got a little smart and said, you know what, I did it for them. Can I do it for myself? Very cool. It's a and, powerful thing, man. Yeah. So it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't ultimately like you couldn't, you know, you, you, you weren't willing to be an employee and work for a company and you were just kind of had your mindset on being your own boss and running your own company was sort of just a natural kind of it progress. It was a natural progression. Where, it worked out. You know, and right. then obviously you, had, you you went to, you know, you got your CPA. I, I finished with a York University uh, Atkinson business admin. Got it. Minor in accounting, but never progressed from that. I never pursued any designation. Got it. Never went to my graduation because mm. I was so busy on the road. That's it. Focused on the goal yeah. that everything, my paper, my education, nothing really mattered at that point. Yeah. It was just about the drive, just following the dream and just, you know, doing, being a business owner and, and just performing that duty, that yeah. service to no the customer. No distractions, man. No distractions. How, how, no distractions. How valuable was the experience you gained in that year and a half versus, you know, other experiences like a, you know. That year and a half of experience was so powerful, it was better than my five years of university. That's it. Hmm. So experience is what I, I, um, I value. Yeah. And when my, when my wife even says to put the kids in private school, although I'm a product of a private school, I'm a product of private school for 20 years. Yeah. I went to a private school, yeah. Wishing Well Montessori. I value experience over school in a heartbeat. So I always pride myself on community, putting the uh, kids in a, the local school yeah. and learning the community. That's more important to me is to learn your demographic, learn your community, than to be shipped off to a school, you know, that, and you don't really know your community. Yeah. So 
there's a lacking that as- aspect, I guess. Yeah. Say. So that's there's a, a big there's a big it. argument I think about experience and yeah. just getting out there and you Get know, out getting there. in the workforce and you know connecting with other businesses and learning businesses and you know all types of you know real life um, work. And then kind of an argument about school versus school and, and what the value of the two is. I understand that, you know, the, the that year and a half and that real experience was critical. But do you think there was, you know, because it's, it's obviously when you when you kind of experience it, maybe you don't appreciate it. But do you think that that base of school and just the networking and just kind of your personal skills and just kind of all that foundation is still critical? It, it's a good foundation. Yeah. But don't rely on that diploma yeah. to get you That's any it. further than anybody else. Yeah. That's right. It's going to give you the ground rules. It's going to give you the discipline. It's, it's going to give you the base. That's it. But don't think you're just going to get that degree and your life is going to be carve out the way you want it, it to be. Yeah. You'll get the, you know, the principles of that That's degree it. and the discipline of it. It's almost like... All that is just getting you to the start line. Yes, it, that's it. <laughs> and it's like it's not the finish line. It's, it's not, not anything substantial. It's that, like that's what, how it's become. You can yeah. see in the past ten years, and yeah. especially when it comes to you know myself being in school, right? Yeah, I, I come to that similar approach where I really value you know being out there in the field and doing it every day. Hundred percent. I know with business, there's a lot of ups and downs and periods of stability. Times when things are slow, and then periods of growth. And, yes. you know big, we're in a growth big, period right now. Big growth, right? So. Tell me about some of the most significant challenges in your business that you ch- that you kind of went through throughout you know the, the thirteen years I think Mia Foods is because uh, you know in thirteen years you have influxes of staff. Yeah. Staff is number one. You are as great as your weakest link. So training your staff, you know, educating your staff, understanding that you kind of work for them, then they work for you. You know, just being humble and and. You know, they want to get something out of this too. It's if you make it like a job for them, just and, and a paycheck, then that's all you're gonna get out of them. But you wanna train them and you want them to do well in their life. And whether they're with you or they go to the next food service or they go drive bigger trucks, I will help you get to that point of, of achievement. Mm-hmm. Right? So as long as you're with me, I'm grateful for the time we've spent together to help Mia Foods get to their goal of becoming, you know, a larger company. But, you know, I wish everybody success in their life and I want the best for my staff. And I ultimately want everyone to to progress and get whatever they want out of this. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of educate, I train my guys. I try to, uh, you know, be there for them. So ultimately just hiring good people, retaining good people, that's probably the, the most challenging thing. Yes. Yeah. Just being yeah. able to, you know, serve your clients yeah. to the best ability that you can and then have the right people on your team. But it takes a long time to understand and to, yeah. to get to this level. Of course. I've just got to this level That's it. of understanding and helping yeah. my staff yeah. and wanting the best for them. Yeah. I've actually just got there. Maybe this realization probably came within the last six months. Yeah. It's not like I came with this sure. realization. No. Right. Before, Before I wanted it was, the most a, it was just a grind. It was, it was just like, grind. do whatever, yeah. you know. Let's get it out. Right? That's it. it whether a- whether something great happened for you at the end of this or not, I didn't. It didn't matter. It was all about myself and the business and just growth. That's it. But now it's. So what changed? What made that you know, switching your head go from A to B? What what was it? I, I think. I gotta know. I think. Um, so I don't know what that switch was. Right. But when I see the sales now of 
of being a $25 million business, mm-hmm. you you realize, you think of things different. Mm-hmm. When you see $25 million of, 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 of funds, of cash flow going in and out, mm-hmm. and you see that in terms of food sales, it's right. not like house sales. Right. That's a... That's that's you know that's five houses, mm-hmm. but in food sales, that's that's a lot. There's a lot of products, there's a lot of SKUs, there's a lot of staff. There's like 30, 35 people now. So when you see this growth and this, it elevates you as a person, and you just get there. Take a look at the whole picture a little differently. I think yeah, it's very yeah, yeah. very good way to put it. I would say 100%. yeah, you have to get there in terms of your sales and uh, as a company, yeah. and you'll naturally want the best for everyone. And you're growing as a person as well through yeah. all this time, right? So the mindset changes quite a bit. Especially cool. since, you know, in COVID, the sales dropped down to zero. Okay. So when the sales dropped down to zero, I feel that it was the best for us because we were able to shut our doors for a week and open our doors and start again. And it was a second chance I got. Start fresh. Fresh start. COVID was the best thing that ever happened unfortunately for this business because it helped us you know start again and start with helped the right people i feel like it helped you get a little bit more creative and it did and and i remember during the lockdown of covid you know we were chatting and you were telling me something about you know you're you're flipping uh, wooden skids yeah, and, and you got so creative with the different products, and Anything. you know, and and I was selling cars. I was trying to, you know, I bought a bunch of cars and skate anything yeah. to just to just keep yep. busy, keep the staff busy. Yeah, I was doing anything, but ultimately it was the um, the rehiring process of of being a second chances. So to do everything again the second time around, yeah, you can perfect things. Interesting. So I was able to perfect it. Like I moved to a new warehouse in COVID. Okay. Most people will hunker down and not spend the money and double their rent and, and go to a larger place. Mm-hmm. In COVID, they'll just, you know, I also bought a Lamborghini Aventador in COVID. I saw <laughs> a buying opportunity and said, I'll never see this car at this price. Yeah. And now it's double the price of what I paid. That's it. I look on the auto trader and the lowest value is 550K now. Yeah. yeah. Where I paid half. That's it. So I- just, it was a great opportunity when everybody had their doors closed. And everyone was at home and not knowing what this yep. virus was. That the car dealerships had an abundance of cars. There was a lot of buying opportunity. That's there. interesting because it worked out for you in the past as well. When you know, 2008, we're speaking, you know, something goes down and you, you push forward. It's a very similar situation here, it sounds like. In times of uh, disparity, and those are great buying opportunities. You yeah. made the biggest moves during the uh, the, the lowest points. Of, the lowest uh, points. Yeah, the three townhomes on the lowest point. Yeah. You know, back then townhomes were six hundred grand. Yeah. I picked up three. Remember, I told you, Robbie. Yeah. Six seven hundred, and I, I bought them with with my eyes closed. One shot, one day. Went in for a, a cappuccino with John Duca. Ended up with three townhomes at the end of it. That's it. But, you know, those opportunities don't exist always. So I think I was, um, I seen that money was becoming, was going to be devalued. Yeah. When I, so I knew what was going to happen with money. Yeah. So I said, I don't want any of it. Yeah. I want to spend it all and not only bo- spend it all, borrow everything I can against everything I have mm-hmm. and try to spend it. Al- although I didn't go that aggressive. I didn't go crazy aggressive. I could have, I wish I did, but I just, I, I didn't. You know, you I, wanted I to keep it. up with you your relation. You did a lot more than most people, though. I did a lot more, yeah. 
Um, in terms of business operations, I'm a big fan of software and systems. Yeah. Um, so I have an interesting question. If I was to give you, say, half a million dollars right now, and you have to either spend it on software, mm-hmm. systems, or hiring good people, what would you choose? Awesome. And it's only... You can only put it in one pocket. I'd say software. Okay. I'd say software. And I mean, obviously you mentioned it and I agree with it. Like, you know, people are, you know, the makeup of a company mm-hmm. and they, they, they will make, make a company. But why, why would you invest in software? Because I see we have good people. And we don't have good software. That's right it, now. yeah. And I feel I, like you need yeah. that base of yeah. processes and software and you know some tools yeah. to give the people. Yes. You know, and yes. then, and the then, people need and then that. they could perform better, then you operate better. Well, if you have good software, you can hire pretty much anybody. You can to, to, and they can to, run it successfully. And they can run it successfully. It's a better Bingo. system to yes. you know, Bingo. for for everybody to work with. Yes. Right now I'm working on Shopify for the website. A lot of people don't want to adapt to Shopify. They want to just still text message email order still. Yeah. You get that. The thing is that software is great, but people have to want to use it. Right. That's so if, it. if the adoption is a adoption, I have, you know, challenge. we have a website with all the pictures, pricing, logins. You just log in. You can see a picture. You can shop like it's Costco. Mm-hmm. Yet people will still want to type up a huge, you know, 30 line order. Yeah. Why? Just go on the website and just click everything. And then it, it kind of deletes. Or it kind of um, prevents errors from happening, mm-hmm. right? Because when you say handle bags or paper bags, like really, what do you mean? What size? Yeah. What color? Yeah. You don't give any, you know, there's That's more right. There's more opportunity for mistakes. That's right. So we try to push people, you know, yeah. use the website. Yeah. But people still don't adopt it. People yeah. still want to. I, mean, I think a lot of it just comes down to user experience and, you know, you can give people a tool that works and it does the functionality you need it to do, but it needs to have that user experience where, you know, whatever they're doing now, they're calling, they're writing, they're texting, however yeah. they're doing it. Like, it needs to be easier than that. Well, it needs we, to be simpler think, and easier. There's not a lot of text message anymore. Yeah. That thing, I think, is uh, set sail. There's just a lot of email. Yeah. So it's got to be as simple or even easier than just sending an email. So that that's the that's the challenge. So that's the next step yeah. we're working on. Right now, we, we've... Um, revamped the website we've upgraded it pictures pricing everything's up there right the next step is um a new uh, order processing system that even if people respond and want to place orders with email we're going to have a method created where it's going to auto generate calculate and pick up all these orders and make uh pick sheets for us mm-hmm. rather than having a person data entry yeah. every order in yeah it's going to just work so we have our web guy right now he's hunkering down efficiency he's he's, he's developing a system so that's happening very cool so systems are systems are big that's it yeah no you could uh, you could definitely optimize some uh, workflows with a good system if you if you hunker down and make a good system and then worry about the sales yeah you will have far more success Hmm. don't worry about the sales get a good process get a good product that people want create the the process of it and see if you can replicate it mm-hmm. 10, 20 and scale it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. what yeah. you should spend your time on the yeah. process and the systems. Yeah. The sales will come. Yeah. I know you've talked about it for a while and I think you're definitely there where, you we know, once you get to a, around. once you get to the growth, once you get to a point where you're growing at the you know, pace you are, you need that system and you need we to be able to. We did it the to, other way around. Yeah. We that's said, let's get the orders yeah. and then let's worry about how to fill hey, it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, 
either way is is smart. Because either way, at the you, end of the day, you got there. Yeah, we got there. But I, if I could redo it for a third time, yeah. so start, start over a third start time. Over a third time, it's a fresh start. Another virus that comes out. We got to get this the, the process done right first. Okay. Right, but and, and then get people to actually use it. But so, in, the, in the works now. Coming, that's all coming in the soon? works. Yeah, having you know reorder buttons and having all these little creature comforts that people have told me that they want. You know, that's in the process. That's at least sixty days away, and then we're gonna implement it. Oh, we're coming coming very oh, yeah, soon. Very soon wow. in June, our soft we have a meeting with our our web guy to see what what he's done. Love it. Very cool. Um, I'd say, gentlemen, we had a very good conversation about business here. We got to know a little bit about you. Yeah. Um, you know, me and Robert being big real estate guys, I yeah. would love to, you know, we're talking about the ta- the COVID down homes, the Miami, yeah. Miami property. I'd love to dig into your, you know, real estate po- portfolio. Yeah, you know, you of course. You look better that way. So, love so, to hear it. So, I started in real estate. Um, I initially bought my first property in real estate, not knowing if it was going to appreciate. Okay. Just, it would save me an hour commute every morning. Right, so I thought that that hour there and back would allow me to focus on my business. I didn't have this mm. knowledge of of what real estate could do. Okay. Right. It was just flying sh- blind a little bit. Flying blind. Little pra- sh- practical purchase. Practical purchase. It's closer to work. It's gonna uh, for for the uh, the central hub of where everything's happening. Okay. It'll save me an hour in the morning, which will allow me to service my clients better. Yeah. So that was my first purchase. Seeing after a year that I've made 30% return on my money. I said, wow, okay, this is the way to go. Uh, so in the next three years, from 2009 to 2012, I bought, you know, three condos and a, print, and, and a, and a principal residence for myself. Okay. And I just, as, as quick as I could earn money, yeah. I would put it in real estate. So when I had that down payment ready, I didn't have a car. I lived frugal, yep. didn't spend any money on clothes, nothing. I shopped at Costco for everything. Um, anytime I made a dime, it would go into my real estate account. Okay. And I was able to just purchase homes, penthouses for 300000 on the water, on Marine Parade. Right? You can't get those. You right. can't get these opportunities. And I was able to buy... Right now, close it, it would seem almost $5 million of the real estate at, wow. at this value. And I was able to buy that within three years with minimal down payments, you know, 20% yeah. at the time, but minimal purchase prices. Right. And I was able to buy all this in by 2012. And I stopped real estate in about 2014. I stopped real estate okay. because it got too difficult to get the financing. Mm. So I wanted to deal with banks. And... Banks made it harder for me to obtain financing, and I was stubborn. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to, you know, accept different, you know, B banks. Okay. I wanted to have A banks, A lenders, CIBC, you know, uh, BMO, yeah. TD. Didn't want the HSBCs and the home trusts and the equitables. I was so fixated on, you know, getting the first class treatment at the bank, where when I didn't get it and I was put off. It kind of put me off of real estate. Okay. My final property was a penthouse, and it was um, it was four hundred and fifty thousand in Marine Parade, and I bought the property, no conditions, and upon closing, the bank wouldn't give me the mortgage. So my broker said we got to take it to equitable. And I said no, 
I'm going to pay the whole property in cash because I had it. I bought that property in cash for 430K, no financing back in like 2012, 2013. And I said, I'm done with real estate. It's too challenging to keep up with everything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to work with any other lenders. And what they required from me was like my firstborn, all the paperwork, (laughs) you know, 50 PDF files. It was, it was taking away from my, me actually being an operator of my business to have to focus on this loan. It wasn't even worth it to me. I said, you know what? I'd rather focus my energy. If I have to take a month off to get this loan application, I can't do that. I got to focus and I'm working 15, 18 hours a day. I got to focus on the customers and this is just my side thing. I can't, I can't lose a month. Right. And you're growing, you're driving some days, some guys sick, you're picking orders, you're invoicing, yeah. you're doing everything, you're writing orders. So I got put off real estate. If you were to estimate the return on investment that your business has given you yeah. versus the ROI of real estate, which one would be more significant? I still believe my business is far more profitable than yeah. real estate. And that's wow. usually, that's usually the case, right? Yeah. So you know, some business owners are committed to their business to the point that they, you know, miss opportunities like diversifying in real estate. At what point, you know, of growing your business, did you make that decision that you wanted to invest in real estate and, and so you know, as opposed to, for instance, investing in your business? So right off the beginning, I had, um, when I saw the return of that first property, that's it. That's when I realized I said, okay, well, this is where my money's going to go. It's not going to go in my business. And that's why, why because I felt that the return on that was far superior than what I'm able to do. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. At that point. Right. Right. So I said, you know what, for me at at the beginning stages, my business wasn't as profitable as it is now. Mm -hmm. So real estate was more profitable. So I realized I said, this is where my money You had more confidence. I had confidence in the market. You had confidence in the real estate market just because it was so, you know. And I wasn't confident in myself. Yeah. I always thought that this was a hustle. I didn't think it could be $25 million. Yeah. Right? I thought it was a hustle. So I didn't want to spend good after bad money on a hustle. Yeah. You know, creating, uh, you know, but I I wanted to keep it in real estate. And then do you think that um, that investment in real estate gave you just because obviously you built equity everything appreciated I've never touched any equity no I've but, never but I'm saying has that did that give you more confidence in your, your ability to grow your business and just kind of under, little, knowing that you have that net worth and kind I, of that, that a little bit a little, little bit, bit knowing yeah. that you know 15 grand if I got if I took a chance yeah. on a customer and I didn't get my money back yeah I was always safe got it because I had that nest egg so knowing now that your return on investment was higher on your business than yeah. it was in real estate and making those decisions of investing in real estate and not your business, would you do the same thing or would you would you do it differently? I think if I did it differently, I would only see I would have had success in my business yeah. earlier on. Yeah. Because I was it, but at the same time, I was 24 years old. That's it. So I didn't have, I didn't, you know, I'm 38 now. Yeah. So, I think I, I did a good move. I think so too. Putting everything in real yeah. estate. I've, I think the diversification think in real estate—fifteen have million dollars, like right now. Yeah. I, if, I, if I sold everything, I'd saying. walk away with fifteen million in my real estate. Yeah, it's not compared to what people have. It's still a drop in the bucket. But I don't think that I would have had fifteen million dollars in inventory in my business. Should sure. I have? That's a good way to look mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. 
I think you made the right decision by diversifying. Yeah. I think, you know, the thing with business, it's more risky, right? It, it, can, go, it can go this way or that way. Whereas you know, real estate, you know that, it's safe. Right? It would have been a lot worse for me. Yeah. Imagine if I had a larger business yeah. and I, you know, was independent, didn't rely on my partners yeah. uh, as much. I would have had more spoilage. Maybe I would have had, instead of 500,000 spoilage, I would have had 5 million spoilage, yeah. right? When, when those doors closed. Yeah. So a lot of the bigger guys took bigger hits upon the COVID-19 pandemic where I was able to pivot yeah. because I was still, I, I didn't have these rules and processes and a lot of things in place where I was able to pivot quick. I didn't have to ask a board of directors to kind of, Hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. It was next morning. I decided something and that was it. That's it. So I don't think that, I think the moves I made were, were great. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't have changed anything. Wouldn't have changed. Very cool. Um, you know, you touched on, you know, accounting, your background in, account, yeah. in accounting, um, you know, with operating your business and real estate investments, how important has that guy been for you over these past couple of years? It's been, it's been, uh, still challenging just because, but I, I have an accountant yeah. and I work with them almost weekly mm -hmm. to go over things, to go over numbers, to go over different scenarios. So I'm not the expert. How important are they to your business? They're the lifeblood of my business. My yeah. accountant is everything. He is, uh, you know, he's he's more of a big scale picture, but he handles everything from uh, my human resources to hiring, laying off. They do pretty much full scale. They are the lifeblood of the business. That's it. That's it. Um, I know you've so you've invested in lots of properties throughout the GTA. Yeah. Uh, you recently called me, and uh, you described the beautiful scene relaxing on the beachside in Miami, yeah. Versace robed out. That's it. Just scoping out <laughs> the Florida real estate market. So um, I know since then you've gone ahead with the purchase. So why Miami? Yeah. So I went to uh, I went to take a trip to Florida just to see what it was about. And I stayed in my friend's place in Boca, went to South Beach, went to Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, saw everything. And I just fell in love with the people, the market, the sunshine, the weather, the beauty of it. I actually went for a bachelor party. My, I think it was a, a birthday party a year in 2019 to, to Miami. And I fell in love with the city. I couldn't believe how fresh and clean. And I came back a new man. I came back energized, this, full of life. This is a different vibe. A totally different person. Miami I came will back. do that to you. 100%. One, one weekend in Miami just changed my whole perception of life and I came back a new person. And just knowing that that's all year round. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's literally like, all year round. Yeah. It's beautiful. So I, uh, I took a couple trips this year to Miami by myself. I went there just to explore. Like I asked the wife, I said, listen, I'm going a week at a time Yeah. by myself just to explore. Yeah. Just to see what's out there. Yeah. And then you finally made the purchase. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of people in Canada or in Ontario that want to invest in real estate in the States and particularly in Miami. Like how important was it to have your feet on the ground really like, you know, exploring that area, exploring the more finding the right condo versus just say, you know, making a call or, you know, trusting an agent out there and just, just buying something. You know, it was very good that I actually went to go see every unit. Um, initially I was just going to buy, you know, sight unseen what most people do. But I took a week off, went there, and I saw everything with my agent, Jennifer Starr. She's amazing. Uh, she showed me everything. I didn't find what I liked. 
took a second trip, saw some properties and fell in love with the unit. Mm -hmm. And the unit I fell in love with sold that day. It was a hot market two months ago, like extremely hot where a property went up and within a, a day it was sold. I believe it. So everything upon my second trip, everything I wanted to see sold. And then I'm like, uh, waiting for the next week of, of listings and everything was just about three or 4% higher. Mm-hmm. And week after week, I'm noticing that everything's selling and everything's getting just increasing in price. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I got to get out there. I can't make this purchase from back the back seat. I got to get into the, get in there. I flew in, rented a car, talked to the agent and said, this is everything I want to see. Mm-hmm. And everything she was showing me was selling the next day. Mm-hmm. Like she showed me a unit, it sold. She showed me a place in Coconut Grove in Brickle, sold. A townhome for like 620K. So everything I'm she's showing me is even selling. Yeah. So lastly, we went to see a unit on North Bay Village. She showed it to me, 670K USD. Wanted to put an offer in full price, sold that day. So I asked the agent, I said, uh, what else do we have in this building? Well, there's no three bedroom corner units, there's only two bedrooms. And I said, well, I need a three bedroom. I need a corner unit because yeah. I want that wraparound balcony. You got to do something. <laughs> she called every, she looked at the listings of every unit that had gone up for sale in the last 12 months that didn't sell. And she called every agent, every homeowner that she could and said, we want to buy it. And finally, someone said, I'll take 70K over asking over the last sale yeah. that just happened. And she wasn't, the person that actually owned it was an agent. On the 18th floor, I think it's a penthouse. And I said, let's do it. That's, that's 70K, let's do it. That's the number one tip you can give any buying real estate agent in a hot market. Is 100%. to do exactly what she did. 100%. And, and, and she was I mean, good. It's worked, it's worked for me too. And uh, She just cold called. You have to. And said, what do you want to get out of this? Yeah. And Last 12 months is a big, big play, right? It gives you kind of an idea yeah. what people are looking to do, right? And I had to go firm. That's a million dollars. I had to go firm. In the States, no financing. That was a tricky play because the way I had structured the deal, I didn't structure it under my personal name. So I've opened up an LLC. Correct. And I had to, I bought the place under my own name initially just yeah. to buy it. And I. So uh, what you're saying right now is like if, if somebody was looking to buy real estate in Miami and Canada right now, what advice would you give them? And, and, and this is part of it. Okay, well, if you're an employee somewhere and you have equity in your home, the easiest thing to do is go to RBC, buy the prop, you know, pull the equity out of your house and try to get, you know, a mortgage on that property under your principal, under your name and just do it that way. And buy cash. And buy cash or even through a mortgage, but get the equity out of your house. If you can pay it in cash, do it that way and then just pay your, um, just pay the increase in mortgage payment. So that's one way of doing it. But the way I did it was I wanted to have my pre-tax money from my business rather than pay taxes and take it, you know, and pay those taxes and take that that money and then put it in Miami. I was able to structure it in a certain way through LLCs and and corps that we were able to take it uh, instead of after tax, we were able to take the funds pre-tax. Got it. and, and, And create promissory notes. So we just got our EIN numbers from the IRS today. We'll have to be filing taxes. So these properties are under LLCs. I don't personally, I don't, I own the LLCs, but I don't own the 
it's not under my name. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, it was a, I guess, a, a tax diversion of not paying, you know, income tax to pull this money out. Yeah. I was able to invest it to the States. And, and is there benefits to that structure when you go to sell? Um, like buy or sell, you save 30% because I saved 30%, uh, instead of, you know, I didn't have to pay corporate tax. And Got I it. So when you go to sell, tax. you save another 30 cents, 30, 40%. So that money is in that LLC, yeah. right? So when it sells, it'll be in that LLC. And then also you mentioned when you, if you're renting, cause I, I think I don't we have it rented yeah, right now. There's, a, there's like, there's benefits there too, right? Cause I yeah. think there's some Liability. hold back or something. The IRS holds back some funds or there, the there tenant is, has to pay the IRS. Yeah. There, there, um, I, I didn't look into too much of it because yeah. I'm not planning on renting it out. I'm planning on, you know, having the tenant leave in two months. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be generating any profit. You know, it's, it's going to actually be costing money, Got it. you know, with maintenance and insurance. So I don't have to worry about the place generating any income. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about any, uh, I still have to file my IRS income taxes on the dates that they specify, right. but I don't have to worry about it leading into a profitability situation. Okay. It'll always be a, a little more complicated. Yeah, though. that's so I didn't have to investigate too much on yeah. it because I knew it was going to generate a loss. Yeah, because I, I'm, I'm, I want it for myself. There you go. But in the event that I decide to expand my LLCs and, you know, get something in Delaware, get something in Texas, my structure is set up. It's a complicated structure. Yeah, I can, uh, you know, with the general partner and uh, yeah. there's like five other LLCs. So this is the only property you own in the States right now? Or? Only one right now. Okay. And the plan is to get some more as we go or what? It's going to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you made probably the most important one first, which especially in my head, that would definitely be a goal for sure. The well, the, the structure, the structure. Big key, big major key. Yeah. yeah. So the structure of the LLCs is what's important. Okay. Because now I can always add another property, you know, and you reduce your liability. So if you get sued the way I've structured it, with my three corps, the way I, I, I interviewed many CPAs. I interviewed CPAs, lawyers, people from Miami, people from Florida, people from uh, you know, New York, yeah. lawyers, my own, my own people. And I you know, looked through YouTube and figured out how to do this. It was such a complicated process the way I structured it. I even have it. Uh, if I even show you the, you're gonna have uh, to send the diagram. We'll, uh, we'll diagram. put it up for sure. And it then, and then, the and then, you know, we'll 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 give a shout out to your accountant, yeah. CPA. You know what? My own accountant was not even a professional cross border accountant. Got it. So my own accountant was like, I don't even know what to do with. You this. need a cross border. You need a cross border. And after interviewing 10, 15 CPAs, Mandan. Uh, accountants, uh, mandated accountants in, uh, I think it's in Mississauga. Yeah. Was the, was, was the, the go-to choice. And mandated accountants. Mandan. In Mississauga. Madan, Madan accountants. Madan. Right here. Look at this structure right here. I'll show you right here. Man. That's the structure. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, send this over to me and we'll, uh, put, put it up. Yeah. It's a complicated structure of how to mitigate liability, how the general partner, the operating account, yeah. It's, but this is what was needed. That's the key. Yeah. This structure was key. And Trudeau actually, most people will open up with C Corp. Uh, sorry, C Corp or S Corp, I think it is. That's the general rule when you open in the States. But Trudeau actually, about a month and a half ago, changed the legislation that the C Corp was not the right way to go. Mm-hmm. So we had to reinvent the wheel. Got it. Literally speaking. Re- yeah, it just happened. The changes just happened because most of the time people will open up a corp in Delaware. And then they'll structure because the reporting, the reporting for Delaware Corps is far 
less than reporting in Florida. Okay. So people will open up in Delaware, so there's no reporting requirements mm-hmm. or less. And then they'll open up an LLC in Florida and they'll do it that right. way. But because of Trudeau's new legislation and the way he's changed things, we had to go this way. Wow. Yeah. All right. I know um, you got a lot going on. Is yeah. there any other businesses or openings? I know there was something going on. You're doing some some bakeries and things like that. Anything else you want to shout out? You know, we, we were going to expand. Um, there's a local business called La Petite Touette. So we were going to partner with them and open up a chain of bakeries, French patisseries. And it hasn't unfolded the way we I wanted it to unfold. We are going to open up a chain of, you know, French patisseries in, in the city okay. with them just i haven't had the time right now with all the supply chain issues yeah it's kind of moved me away from even finding new clients you know where i used to go and capture new business i don't have the time for it right now because i'm so fo- fixated on supply chain got it you gotta focus on that just focusing on just yeah focus basic, on the primary business focusing on just the bare necessities yeah you know it's nice to have you know, um, specialty vinegars and specialty purees and specialty items. But right now, we're finding it hard to get basics like canola oil, saran wrap, garbage bags, wow, mustard. So these are the problems we're finding difficult. Cider vinegar from like Heinz. People are out of stock. Just today, I was at, um, at the water cooler in the office and uh, our milk supplier came and said, we're out of stock on the bulk homo milk bags. And cream bags I said okay great I don't really buy it he says no but we sell to people that make cheese so now there's going to be sh- shortages on fresh mozzarella cheese fresh burrata so now it's it's full it's cycle down the line eh? yeah wow. so it's it's the supply chain is really important it's really bogged down yeah and I don't know when it's gonna fixate itself but Got it. you know try finding Gatorade right now multi-pack you can't get these items <laughs> right where Gatorade was the last thing you would think that would that be would short. ever be short of yeah yeah 100%. you would think the specialty items would be short try yeah. getting uh, ketchup in the little portion packs that's and so a, that's what's a challenge. what's the reasoning for this you know with they're just out of product you know we always operated in the past we've always been working on a just in time inventory process okay. so everything was just in time right like no one kept no one kept full, full warehouses of stuff. A lot of times it was produced, shipped, and everything was just done at the moment. Yep. But now when you cause a hiccup anywhere down the line on the just-in-time inventory system or in the supply chain system, things fall apart. Yeah. No one's sitting on a whole warehouse full of ketchup, a whole warehouse full of mustard. A lot of things are just being produced and shipped, produced and shipped. So when you cause a complication, whether it's in the box, whether it's in the packing tape that's not available, yep. whether it's in the print, you know, this will cause delays down the line. Makes it's, sense. Yeah. Plastics, buckets, so, pails, anything. It adds up. It all right? adds up, you know, with, with um, shipping costs going from 2500 a container from Italy yeah. to 30000 yeah. People are, people are, you know, inflation's here to stay. Yeah. Prices are going through the roof, you know. And it's affecting people because probably oh. the inflation is so significant that, you know, everybody's just stocking up on what, you know, the minimum. So they'd, they'd rather be out of stock than over inventory, right? So and over 100%. So yeah. I see the problems well before the average person sees it. Yeah. I already know that, you know, knowing from my wholesaler, when my wholesaler tells me a case of, you know, specialty Italian tomatoes that used to sell for $29, 
will eventually, in a month, three months, be sixty dollars. Yeah. That tells me that not only are they, you know, my, my customers are going to suffer on this. It tells you got to stock up. Stock up, but remember the the um, the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. This is going to impact them yeah. too. Yeah. Right. You, so, you should have a department just focusing on you know the future of inventory whatever you and need, just I like got it. stocking yeah. up and then yeah. doing like marketing whatever campaigns need, where it's like it. you know inventory short is coming on these products stack sriracha. up uh sriracha you yeah. heard about that have a right? stack up report you know I for all your clients pallet order Actually, today i think my, my friend was just telling me about that i just from ti i saw that morning. yeah ti foods i just placed uh yeah. 200 case order that's wow. it today just to stock up because i know when i saw that i called my supplier that night i actually emailed ti foods and said give me 200 cases of sriracha. I don't sell that much. Yeah. But I know if, if it's in short supply. It's got a long shelf life. So Long go. shelf life and at least I have it for my yeah. customers. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I don't have room to put 200 cases of everything. Right? But I, I'll make it work. The important stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it work. So if anybody needs some sriracha, you know where they go. can give you a shout. Yeah, you know where to go. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's funny, man. Um, I'd say we've had a pretty, you know, broad scope discussion. Yeah. Here. I think, I mean, you've got to touch on the cars. I know a lot of people that watch this podcast are big yeah. on the cars. I'd love to end it off with, you know, some car talk and yeah, of course. You know, what you got, where you're going with it kind of thing. Yeah. That'd so right now we have, uh, well, I have the, um, you know, the wife has the regular Range Rover autobiography. Yeah. That's a very nice a staple. 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 You need that. Um, my G wagon, actually, I have a G63 on order. Okay. Actually had it in 2018 canceled it in the pandemic big big mistake should have kept it at the beginning of the pandemic i said you know what i don't think i want to be there canceled it only to put in my order a year later so still waiting on that one right. but i have a beautiful miami blue color coming yeah. uh, it's fantastic miami blue because going to miami no, or that's gonna be, <laughs> just to remind so, you of miami yeah so that's yeah so that's coming beautiful they said 2022 allocation i just spoke to my guy yesterday so Right. Let's see what happens there. See the homeboy there? Was that Nitro? That's the competition. Who was that? GFS? Gordon. Gordon. He's probably, is there a Starbucks <laughs> anywhere here? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. He's probably That's going it. to deliver. He's got the contract. All right. I know you got the lineup of cars, but the most important question about that is when are you going to buy the electric car? And if and when? Uh, electric car. I don't know yet if I'm going to jump on the electric car only because. Number one, the cars that are electric are that I like are two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars. Taycan Turbo S, where it makes sense right now, my S sixty three was one hundred and thirty k for a daily driver. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're gonna get an electric car, no one's gonna no enthusiast is gonna put an electric car in the hoist in their garage and you know and say that's my Sunday cruiser. My Aventador is my Sunday car. My NSX ninety one is my Sunday car. The electric car would never replace any of those. It would only be, and for the mo- most car collectors have an electric car, but daily. it's their daily. As a daily. It only makes sense as common, a daily. Common theme. Common, yes. Like Manny Koshpin in the States has maybe $20 million worth of cars, but his daily driver is a Tesla. That's yeah. it. He's a big SLS guy, if I remember correctly. Yeah. SLR. SLR guy. SLR, he's got like nine SLRs. That's right. So he, everyone just drives that Tesla for their daily, the Plaid or whatever it is, right? So, I'm just waiting to the make... The plat is crazy. Plat is crazy, but it's got to make sense. They got to get the prices of these cars down so that we can lease these cars and write them off in the business. But mm. what's wrong with a three or a, or, a, or just an X? When, when or, you want a plaid, yeah. you see a plaid, you can, uh, you can only write off $800 on a lease, right? 
but I can write off 100% of my fuel. So when the government changes their structure and says, you know what, if you get an electric car, you can write off 100% of it. There you go. I will go right away and get an electric car. There you go. Because I don't have to worry about this $800 cap on the lease. See, Not like it matters, but I still like to, yeah. I'm, I, I'm still frugal. Right, like, and all these cars that I've bought, whether it's the any one ninety one NSX, the Aventador, the you know, all these cars have all gone up in value. Yep. Yeah. So no, from a collector standpoint, I get it. You know, it makes sense. It's but the day to day argument doesn't make sense. Day to day, it's like I can get a nice hundred thousand dollar S sixty three, and but the question is, fuel. can you allocate the funds in a better way to your business to have a better write off than gas? You know. Like, I, I, I'm still, I still like the dinosaur oil. You love, like, you, you like, like writing off the gas. I'm with you, but he's stuck in the Tesla get me, a, get me a write-off of okay. 100% of a Tesla Plaid, and I'll sell my S-Class. My S63, I'll sell it. Yeah, but that's not applicable to any car. So it wouldn't make, What do you mean? Like, you can't buy another car that's gas and write it no, off like I, that, right? No, I would right? want a Plaid. I would, I would want 100% deduct, deductibility of an uh, electric car. Interesting. But you could do that on. Wouldn't you be able to do that on like a a Model Three? Yeah, but a Model Three is not comparable to an S sixty three. That's fine, but now you're talking about more I'm collector. About, more no, co- you could, but you couldn't write off uh, a Porsche too. or a, a Lamborghini. You right? can only write off eight hundred dollars on a Isn't on a lease. Okay, that's it. Eight hundred dollars so on eight hundred on a lease. So if they, but you know, the government needs to so make what's these the lease changes. on a Plaid? Lease on a Plaid is probably twenty five hundred dollars. Oh yeah, it's out there. So, twenty five hundred dollars, and I have to only be able to write off eight hundred dollars of it. Whereas I can play around with the lease on the S sixty three, have it at around fourteen hundred or fifteen hundred, and then write off all my fuel. What's your monthly gas bill? Don't check it. Yep. Don't know. That's not. A, that's and you don't not think you can put that into the software we talked about? Yeah, hey, smiles per gallon. I know. I'm sure I could. And, 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 and I don't know. I don't know it off the That's top. right. Or something else? I, I'm sure I could. And then you can. But just, let the go, but it's tax deductible. Yeah. But you can't, your trucks are your trucks. But my trucks are my trucks. My car, I'm going to see customers. I'm coming yeah. here. I don't do much recreational stuff. Yeah. So I can write off, as long as my, you know, my journal and my and my logbook's great, I can write off 100% of everything. And you I'm, like, I'm better off this way. And you like pumping. I don't like pumping. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like the tax. You like standing it. there pumping I like and the seeing that deductions. thing. You I like, like that, that, that thing rolling. Just... It doesn't bother me. No? No. I don't even look anymore. Man. I don't even look. I don't yeah. even know. You know what? When you have 11, 12 vans yeah. and you see $10,000, $15,000 gas bills, what's another 1000 bucks for myself? What difference does it, it make? Doesn't, it, you don't even notice it. You don't yeah. even see it. Yeah. Right? It's just, it just gets paid, right? But, but if the government had some better opportunities and more tax deductions for electric vehicles, yeah. I think a lot of business owners will jump. That's probably the best ending to the argument that That's you can say. What's yeah. that thousand dollars? It's not gonna I make a difference. It. You know, it's a, it's a, no. When you got the business and the gas is hundred percent write off, why you're gonna you, miss that? I'll miss you it. You'll miss that. Yeah. When you when you don't have it. And then what? I take a twenty five hundred dollar lease on a Tesla, and the the thing is that the Tesla after four years, we don't know its value, right? The Tesla actually, the, good. we don't know their values. The Plaid because the electric car hasn't been around for that long. Especially the not, residuals, the residuals, especially not a car of that caliber. So the residuals of the plaid, we don't know what they are. Right. If the residual is zero, guess what the lease is? The lease is four grand, five grand. That's what the lease is on a plaid yeah. because if the residual is zero. But with the S sixty three, I know the residual. I bought it at one hundred and forty. My residual is eighty, right? So I know my lease payment is going to be thirteen hundred bucks. I don't want to be a four grand. 
I'm better off this way. When the yeah. government makes better rules and better tax implications, and, and we'll, we will all switch. Every business owner will switch. Yeah. There should be uh, a gas saving radar. <laughs> if you go electric, they should, they should, uh, you should be able to deduct. You should be able to calculate cost. how much gas, you know, how much I'm emissions off, you're saving, I'm and then have this, a deduction for those emissions. I'm better off this way. Yeah. I'm better off with a 100% deduction on fuel and 800 a month off my lease, and my, my out of pocket expense is 600 bucks. Whereas if I went to a Tesla, I wouldn't get that uh, gas write off. Wouldn't get the yeah. But I'd have a four thousand dollar monthly payment potentially, maybe three on a plaid on the higher end because I'm comparing upper echelon to upper echelon, and I'd get to save only eight hundred bucks. So my af so my out of pocket expense would be close to three grand. Yeah. But the gas write off could hire an employee. No. That could have a significant impact on your business. Your I'm actually worse off. No. Going electric. No, that, 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 that gas bill is bigger than all that you're talking about. That gas bill is if no, you if you were all bill. electric. But yeah, that's but not possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no you electric have, trucks right now. There's no, right? no big trucks, yeah. yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Okay, man. Really okay. good having you. It was a great podcast. Appreciate it. Appreciate you're the welcome. chat, man. Great job. Learned a lot as yeah, well. Yeah, man. We all learned a lot. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you for having you. me. Beautiful. Robbie. Oh, my leg. Appreciate it, man. Perfect, man. Appreciate Thank it. you for having me so much, man. Learned so much as well. It was a good time. Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a good business discussion.